You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. Paul Rosenberg is a writer, production designer, singer, and community organizer in Seattle, Washington. In 2005, Paul founded Rain City Jacks. The club's mission is to promote and facilitate group masturbation for adult men, expand our individual sexual awareness, celebrate the basic goodness of our sexual impulse, and build a culture of mutual respect and dignity among our fellows. Paul also hosts the Heart of Jacks podcast, and he is writing a similarly titled book. Both the podcast and the book explore and celebrate masturbation and the history of jack-off clubs, a little-known and little-understood thread running through the fabric of Western culture almost completely unseen. Hey, Paul Rosenberg, thank you for being on Sexual Heroes today. Thanks, Robert. Good to be here. I want to start with something that I saw on your Twitter feed. You wrote... I quote, my husband knows full well just how much of a baiter I am, though he is not. It's just fine, and we still adore each other. But the second he leaves the house, my pants come off, end quote. <laughs> how true is that? Can you, can you talk more about that? Uh, sure. We've been together over 30 years. We know each other really, really well. And um, we have... We have a certain amount of sexual discontinuity in our relationship. I'm the one with the high libido, and he's he's got a lower libido. He's also on medication, which kind of dulls it even more. Mm -hmm. Just over years of being really open about who we are and what we want and not hiding any of that or thinking that there's anything wrong with either way of being, we're not estranged from each other in any way. So we both are who we are authentically as sexual people. And he knows perfectly well that I love and embrace and advocate uh, for masturbation, that I feel really good about masturbating, about all sex, really. He's completely okay with that. And he knows that when he leaves the house, I'm probably going to masturbate. It's not a thing for us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get in the way in any way of uh, us loving each other like crazy even after 30 plus years. It, it sounds kind of like my own relationship in, in many ways. When you first got together, I, I'm guessing it's evolved over the 30 years. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's not the same now as it was 30 years ago. God, what, what hasn't evolved in the last 30 years? Right. We're, when you first started, and, and I want to talk about this because I think that a lot of listeners are managing relationships with where one partner has sexual interests that are different from the other. Yes. And you've been successful in navigating that. So when you first started, were you, was your sexuality more on the same wavelength or was it different then as well? It's always been somewhat uneven. When, when we met, I had just been participating in my first jackoff club for about a year. And I was really enthusiastically involved in it. And I built all these great sexual friendships with people 
when I fell in love with Eric, I found that I wanted to be monogamous for a while and just focus on him. It was nothing about not wanting to have sex with anybody else. It was just trying monogamy for the first time in my life. But we've we've always been uneven in our sexual desires, our just our sexual philosophy. Our background is very different. He's a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, um, which which adds a whole layer of concerns and sensitivities, uh, you know, and I, I care about him a lot. So I've seen him through a lot of his recovery journey on that, but I have none of that in my background. I have no religious shame in my background. From a very young age, I decided to say yes to sexual pleasure, to say yes to masturbation, that when I wanted to feel pleasure in my body, that I don't know exactly how this came about, but I had a very early sense of this is completely good and it's okay to say yes to this. Um, and I've maintained that through my entire life. He's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where he completely forgets that he's a sexual person and he forgets that he can masturbate. And I've encouraged him to remember and to take care of himself and to just be in touch with self-love uh, as much as he can. And he, and he takes that to heart. He does that. We have our own love life as well, which is less frequent, which is also true for a lot of long-term couples. I think the bottom line for us is that we are very compatible. And this doesn't help anybody else, <laughs> you know, just that we're lucky enough that we are, we're, we're very attracted to each other. We really love each other. We're intellectually compatible. We have a compatible sense of humor. It's just, we're right for each other. In, the, in that way, I think we're just lucky. And then beyond that, it's just we haven't hidden things from each other. We recognized when we started the relationship, we were both around 30 years old when we got into this relationship. We had already learned that lies poison relationships and that it's what you hide that ruins everything. It's not the truth. It's the hiding. It's the deceit. Mm -hmm. um, that's what poisons relationships more than any actual thing, at least in our experience. But none of those things has been really extreme for us, right? Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more about uh, the need for honesty in a relationship. And I understand why that's so hard for so many people Why to get to honesty. I think part of it is just we have really very, very few models of healthy, intimate adult relationships. Very few. Uh, I think the vast majority of us are figuring it out by trial and error. Dating is is extremely painful for most of us. Mm -hmm. The whole elimination game of finding compatibility and figuring out who's responsible for what feelings. Yeah, it's just it, there's there's so many ways that we're really emotionally immature as a culture. And can you even think of one TV show where the married couple is in an open relationship? And it's no big deal. No, no, <laughs> not no. a one. I'm just thinking now of uh, Modern Family, which I I just discovered not too long ago, and oh, I cool. love the show. And it has a gay couple. I can't imagine, you know, in one of the episodes, one of them saying, "Hey, I'm going off to have sex with my fuck buddy." I mean, or in you know yeah. any any other say that in any way. It's just yeah. it just doesn't happen. So, yeah, when you say there's no model, there is no model. No. The only way they portray sex outside of the 
the primary relationship is cheating. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's that kind of religious-based morality. Um, it, uh, I, I think a lot of people underplay the importance of narratives, that the stories that we grow up on, that we uh, learn by, um, that we live by, are really how we think and how we believe. It's all based in these narratives. And one of the main narratives is this heteronormative core monogamy couple where monogamy equals success and non-monogamy equals failure right. and or or evil, that, that you're bad and wrong if you're not monogamous. Mm -hmm. And virtually all of the people I know who are close friends of mine are non-monogamous to some degree. I think my personal trainer right now is the only monogamous person I know. He's still very much sexually engaged. He talks about sex all the time mm -hmm. and he's he's he acknowledges that he's attracted to other people, but he and his partner have been monogamous for their entire relationship. That's cool, but that's the outlier. The norm in my circles is non-monogamy, but that's not the narrative that we grow up on. There's a huge portion of gay men that not just frown upon non-monogamy, but they can actually get hostile at the mere mention of an open relationship and that it's, it somehow negates yes. the, the value of your relationship. Uh, there's a saying, uh, an aphorism that I actually kind of live by. And that is what seems to be coming at you is coming from you that and in this case i would say if something is really triggering you and you're up in arms about it check out where you're at around it where it applies to you personally mm -hmm. i think christopher ryan who wrote sex at dawn he really laid it out really well about our natural non-monogamy but that that doesn't mean that monogamy is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It just means it's going to be hard because it's not natural for human beings. So if you want to do it, that's fine. But acknowledge that it's tough, that it's hard to be monogamous because we are not naturally monogamous. So you are a baiter. We've established that. But yes. you're not solo sexual. You enjoy no. many types of sex. Baiting is just one one thing in that pie. Yes. I have a robust sex life. I, there are definitely things I like more than other things. And one of the things I really love is solo sex. And I always have. How big a piece of the pie is it for you? In terms of quantity, frequency? What most fulfills you? How high up is masturbation on that list? That's actually a hard question because it's very, very subjective. I'm always satisfied by masturbation, and it is very often extremely intense, pleasurable, satisfying, long-lasting, empowering. It does everything that I want sex to do, but it doesn't lessen any of the less frequent sex that I have with other people. I really... I really enjoy uh, mutual masturbation, which I think is a contradiction in terms. I consider the word masturbation to mean solo sex. I think that is what most people think of when they hear the word masturbation or masturbating. They think of one person having sex with themselves. But mutual masturbation is just non-penetrative sex. 
And I really like that. And one of the things I love about non-penetrative sex is that it leaves a space for teasing, for excitement, for all the things you're not doing, but you may want to do. Mm-hmm. That there's actually a lot of excitement in not fulfilling a fantasy, in keeping it alive. It's like dirty talk. If you speak specifically about sex while you're having sex with someone, it really amps up the energy, right? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I just did. It's really powerful. So in my jackoff club, for instance, I encourage people to just say whatever they want. Uh, just because you can't suck a dick doesn't mean you can't tell somebody how much you would like to roll the head of their cock around in your mouth mm-hmm. or how much you want to taste their balls or how much you want to fuck them, right? It's okay to talk about that stuff and it's really exciting. But the fact that you can't do it almost increases that excitement. And then if somebody wants to do it, they have to uh, make arrangements and they can do that. I like to fuck maybe once every three or four years when I feel an overwhelming desire for one particular person to either uh, fuck me or let me fuck them. But I don't generally think about that or am motivated by it. I'm, I'm more interested in sucking cock or being sucked. I really like oral sex, which a lot of people are surprised to hear sometimes because they they think of me as Jack Daddy, as this advocate for masturbation. And that's really just the face of me wanting to encourage people to embrace a joyous sexuality, uh, Mm -hmm. to embrace their life physically. Right. So let's go back. There's two things that came up there. The idea of this oxymoron, mutual masturbation. Talk a little bit more about that. And then then I want to get into the, the club. Sure. I think that masturbation, specifically solo sex, has a mechanism that is unique to all other kinds of sex, a a specific mechanism. And that is that the instruments of pleasure being the hands of, you know, the, the body, the whatever, whatever you're creating pleasure with is connected to the exact same brain that is receiving the pleasure. So there's an instantaneous feedback loop Mm -hmm. and instantaneous in the moment understanding of what is going on in the body of the one receiving the pleasure, because it's all the same person, right? Mm -hmm. So that is something that no matter how spiritually connected you feel to another person is not actually happening when you have sex with someone else of any kind. So I kind of want to keep masturbation in its own world and acknowledge that it is unique in this one very specific way. The body, as far as our experience of the human sexual response process, you know, the whole ramping up and plateau and orgasm and resolution is identical regardless of what is causing sexual pleasure. It's this mechanism of the, of the mind of one brain connected to the giving and receiving of pleasure. Right. So that makes it very, very unique. And I, 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 I want to recognize that and honor it. So that's how I define masturbation. Again, because if you just say the word masturbation, the vast majority of people will imagine solo sex. They yeah. don't imagine two guys stroking each other's dicks. Yeah. Now, I I think this is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I do too. <laughs> because when I read something that you had written about that, that, that mutual ma- masturbation was an oxymoron, it re- like this light bulb went off in my head. Yes. There are so many 
the guys into masturbation and believe they're solo sexual. But one reason why I don't enjoy myself when I go to a masturbation event, it's not masturbation. There's so much connectedness and hands touching, you know, someone else's dick and, and someone's wants to touch my dick. And then yeah, people group together and playing with each other. And suddenly it's not masturbation to me. And, and it becomes something else that just isn't, it just doesn't work for me. This is why exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah, it becomes something else and whatever that something else is, doesn't work for me. Yes. And then I read in your, the description on your uh, rain city Jack's club website, I was looking through the rules and it really makes it clear. Like before you touch somebody else, you need to get permission. Yes. Um, and then you also have coded wristbands. So if you have a red wristband, people know my dick's off limits. Basically, when I read that, I was, I, the first thought I had was, hmm, "I might have a good time there." <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of baiters out there, dedicated baiters that would totally disagree with this well yeah there's a, the tradition in jackoff clubs uh since 1980 when they first began is pretty much uh just grab a dick that you're interested in and an assumption that if somebody is there they've already given consent you know you wouldn't be there if you didn't want your dick grabbed mm -hmm. right right um but that's just not reality and it adds to that illusion that this is a form of masturbation when it's actually a form of negotiated sex. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have taken a jack-off club deals with certain levels of negotiation before you get there. We've already negotiated the level of play, right? But the, the consent negotiation is another one. You have to negotiate if it's okay to interact with somebody at all. And we, we make that extremely simple in my club, which is just, if you want to engage a someone, you say, may I? <laughs> and the answer is yes or no. Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's 100% consent 101. And we don't, I don't spell it out in great exhaustive detail, but part of it is because of this expectation that what you're going to experience, if you've never been to a jack-off club before, what you're going to experience is mutual masturbation, quote unquote. But that doesn't actually exist in my estimation. That's a weird term for what's for non-penetrative interpersonal sexual pleasure for having sex with other people, even though it's not penetrative. Yeah. And the few times I've been in these group situations and gotten uncomfortable, I actually start to feel shame because I'm not participating in the way yeah. most everyone else is. I can tell there's this sort of what's wrong with him attitude. So the one place where I should feel totally comfortable where masturbation is celebrated turns into this place where I don't want to go because it's really not masturbation. I think my relationship with my own body is a very special sexual relationship and I absolutely treasure it. And I'll be really sad when I can't do it anymore because we're, we all have an expiration date that's unknown, right? Yeah. Um, but the, actually, 
the perception that that what's going on at jackoff clubs is not masturbation isn't 100% true. And that's because a lot of guys who go to jackoff clubs actually do want to masturbate openly in front of other people. And they assume that position and they maintain that boundary and they simply sit down somewhere where other people can see them and they assume a baiter spread and right. they completely make love to themselves with the full acknowledgement. So it's more about exhibitionism and voyeurism, mm -hmm. uh, not secret voyeurism, but open voyeurism right. that gets them off. And that too has always been a part of the Jackoff Club culture. Mm -hmm. So I would say that is masturbation because again, you've got that mechanism of the one brain, the one penis. It's just, you have this introduction of witnesses and right. showing off. It's similar to camming, uh, which I love to do now. I enjoy getting that feedback from people. It's super fun and super exciting. My sex lasts a long time when I do that, right? And when you talk about that feedback loop, that only with ma true masturbation, do you have that instantaneous feedback loop? You're the both the giver and the receiver. When, when I'm at an event and somebody wants to interrupt that and take charge of my dick, it just shuts everything down. They just interrupted this cycle and I can't, I can't get it back. It just throws everything off. I'm glad we're having this talk. I hope a lot of baiters are listening to it because it's a really important point. Yeah. There's a, there is a line between what we imagine things to be and what they actually are. <laughs> and with masturbation specifically, you spend a lot of time with your imagination, with your expectations, with what you think something is. And I'll be honest, we capitalize on that expectation and that imagination knowing that people will misunderstand what is happening at the jackoff club, at my jackoff club. Mm -hmm. And I will use the term mutual masturbation or group masturbation because I know that people are going to feel more comfortable, that that is like an entree for them to come and check it out and see if it's for them. And for many of these guys, it really is for them. They're very interested in the various different kinds of interactions they're going to experience at a jackoff club, even though it may not be masturbation. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite uh, playmates at the jacks are guys who we will simply sit across from each other and spread our legs and masturbate openly and watch each other and have that that visual, that silent acknowledgement of what's going on and how fun it is. And it's really exciting and powerful for me. Um, for other people, they want to have a lot of nipple play, or they want to do a lot of kissing, or they want to mash, uh, they want a lot of frottage, they want to be in a in a huddle with lots of different guys and lots of flesh. I mean, there are so many different ways of playing at a jackoff club. It's much more than a one-dimensional thing. Mm -hmm. But for masturbation to happen in a masturbation club, you have to have the awareness that you have to maintain that boundary. It's still up to you to take responsibility for your own sexual pleasure, mm -hmm. to say, I know what, what I enjoy, and I'm going to just ask for it. Okay, I need you to stop now. Give me a break. My penis is tired. I experience a similar thing when, when, I'm, when I'm touching myself and I'm, I'm really in the zone and I'm getting there and somebody else wants to, wants to play with my dick. Then I will, I know that when I'm letting them do it, because they seem to really like my dick, that it's actually a gift to them. And I'm sacrificing my own pleasure in the moment because they're going to really enjoy my penis, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. 
And sometimes I'll say, just touch my butt or just play with my nuts. I want to keep stroking my own dick. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and that works too. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because I often am just giving somebody else something that I know will give them pleasure at the sacrifice of my own pleasure. I often do not have an orgasm at the jacks. I'd say about half the time I'm more just kind of leading the group than having my own pleasure. I certainly would be happy to have somebody play with my tits while I'm jerking off. So oh, hell yes. <laughs> oh yeah. And having uh, two different guys on each nipple, like just yeah. looking on them. Oh yeah. my God. I love that. <laughs> like this is a gift. <laughs> Let's compare that because I went to the New York Jacks website mm-hmm. and they began, is that, they are the original. Is that correct? Yes. And they started in 1980. Correct. February of 1980. They coined the term Jacks. And then AIDS appeared in 81. Yes. A year and a half later. So it's so interesting to me. I think a lot of people would have expected that it happened in reverse and that the Jackoff Club was established in response to the AIDS epidemic to give men a safe sexual outlet, but it didn't happen that way. No, no, it didn't. In a way, it set the stage for an option for men. But if you think back, uh, I mean, I do remember the early 80s, and we did not know that mutual masturbation was sex. We didn't know that shaking hands was safe. We didn't know that hugging someone or kissing someone would not give us AIDS. We were terrified of almost any kind of contact with each other. And any contact that we did have, we knew came with some implicit risk until we found out a couple of years later, yes, it is primarily anal sex and possibly oral sex. And then that became more refined over time. But that information wasn't available in 1981. In 1981, in the summer of 1981, it was just mysterious cancer killing gay men. And then by the end of the year, it was like, okay, we've got a gay-related immunodeficiency grid. You know, I mean, we were learning that whole time. But actually, the non-penetration was because one guy who was one of the original or Uh, organizers of that first party uh, was just, he was really skittish about uh, amoebic dysentery, that amoebas were a big thing back in 1980. Mm. And that there had been kind of a lot, the people are trying to raise awareness to keep people from spreading amoebas. So it was a, a medical reason that inspired it. There was a medical reason, but for a good deal of time, I'm not sure how long, for at least a couple of years, this circle of friends had been getting together And having these non-penetrative sex parties, there was some oral sex, but there was no fucking. It was largely about showing off while they masturbated together. And then there'd be a little bit of dick sucking too. And then I think oral sex continued at the Jacks in 1980, even though they were saying explicitly, this is nothing Mm -hmm. goes inside anybody's anything. No lips below the hips. There was still some dick sucking until AIDS showed up. And then the dick sucking went away. And I guess they... They found out that a lot of guys are into masturbation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what they found was that men who felt that sex was a potential uh, death sentence, which for many it was, still needed to have sex. And 
because they had established this club and they were going strong when HIV did show up, that was just unnatural. There was a natural explosion of these clubs in 1982 and 1983 um, with San Francisco and Paris and, and Berlin and uh, Cincinnati and Australia. I mean, all over the world, Jackoff clubs popped up. And you have been exploring many of those clubs, I think, what, since 2005? Uh, My first club was Chicago Jacks. That was 1990. And then I made my own club in 2005, uh, based largely on my experience at Chicago Jacks. And then in 2009, that's when I finally went to New York and Philadelphia and other, other clubs started to explore. So I'm sure there are little differences between the clubs. Like on the the New York website, I noticed they didn't, unless I read the read it wrong, they sort of implied to me that it was okay to go and grab somebody's dick. And then it was up to the person on the receiving end to say, oh, no, uh, please don't. I'd rather not. Yes, that is actually the norm. I believe they do specify ask before you grab somebody's dick, but they don't underscore it in any way the way Rain City Jacks does. Yeah. And that is a cultural difference. And, you know, they've been going for 20, 42 years. We're not going to tell them how to run their club. Right, right. No. You know, but it is part of the culture. And that I found that true in Philadelphia as well. I do find now in the 21st century that people are much more, they're, they're becoming more and more aware of consent. Mm-hmm. And I'll be in a completely different club and people will be saying, may I? Mm-hmm. What I say is if somebody grabs your dick and you don't want them to grab it, just take their hand yeah. off your dick and say, not now. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of people. Yep. Some people just can't do it and it, it can really interfere with their own pleasure. Yes. And, you know, I think that's really important to recognize that there is a real reluctance to just own our own sexuality, a real reluctance to own your own power in a sexual moment. And that's really dangerous. I mean, it's not just self-defeating as, as a sexual person, mm-hmm. but it's dangerous. We, we need to be taught agency and we are not taught agency we should be taught that as children. We should we should understand agency before we're sexual, and it should be taught to us along with comprehensive sex education. We need to understand that we have agency over our bodies, that we own our bodies, that we're in charge of everything here. This I'm responsible for this. I'm in charge of it. You don't get to tell me what to do. You don't get to just grab my dick, mm-hmm. right? And that is a why. I mean, it's so familiar. When somebody just feels that they have no power over their own body when they absolutely do. Okay. So in 2009, you were exploring clubs all around the world. Where would you say the biggest differences were? You, you said that at each club, it sort of has its own culture. Where would you say the culture is most different around the world for a masturbation club? I think they're all unique. I think they're all mm-hmm. unique. I think there's a similarity in West Coast clubs, but there's significant differences between a club in Seattle, a club in Portland, Oregon. They're going to be somewhat similar, but they are different. Los Angeles has its own very unique culture, which is somewhat similar, but different. They're all kind of white and lots of Asian guys. There's not a lot of uh, lot of African-American men 
or dark skin of any kind. So we, we tend to be whiter. On the East Coast, a lot more men of color. And that brings with it not just uh, r- the racial difference, but the cultural differences. And that's actually really fun and exciting to mix that stuff up because everybody's playing well. So when I go to Philadelphia Jacks, New York Jacks, or Atlanta Jacks, I'm going to encounter a lot more men of color. In Atlanta Jacks, you definitely have a very friendly, convivial energy. Uh, Very frequently, the guys will meet at a bar beforehand, and they'll just like crowd around one big table Hmm. and have social time before they go to the Jackoff Club. My club doesn't do that. Wow, that's cool. I would love it if they did. Uh, at it new in San Francisco, I often would go out for a meal after the after the club met with a bunch of guys from the yeah. club, and that was super fun. Same thing in Portland; they they had like a designated restaurant they would go to after the Jacks. Yeah. There, you would just see all these guys, and they were having burgers and beers, and it was really nice. It like created a bridge between that secret life and quote unquote real life. And this brings up another point, which mm-hmm. is that there's a club beyond the club. And this has come up in, in episodes before, but there is this community among baiters. And, and it feels like you're in a club, whether you're at an actual club or not. Mm-hmm. When you interact on cam, places like the bait world, there really is a sense of community. And yes. actually, since I mentioned bait world, and you've been studying this culture for many years. What role did Bait World play in the evolution of the bait culture? Did it did it play a role? I think it plays a huge role um, in having a large social platform where people can connect and recognize themselves and others, which is the the kind of the basis of all community. Um, just communities of shared interest where you feel like I'm with other people who appreciate the same thing I do mm-hmm. or who have a similar set of values. And before Bait World, there was a site called Bait Nation, uh, which I think was based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. They were alive for just a few years and they kind of set the model that Bait World then picked up later and did on a different platform with a different way and with different uh, focuses as a business. Uh, But I think Bait World right now is huge. And a lot of people now are connected to it. I don't know uh, what level it is in terms of just the the percentage of the population. But like a jack-off club, it also includes a lot of men who are straight identified and bisexual identified. A lot of people who are in the bait scene, the culture, who go to clubs like yours, identify as heterosexual as straight. Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. Me too. And since you've been studying this and talking with people, what's your take on that? My take on it is that we view sexuality in a much more narrow way than it actually exists in humanity. That uh, there is a narrative about men being kind of uh, solid in their sexuality where women are more plastic, you know, more, more flexible that a woman is more likely to be bisexual or lesbian than a man is likely to be gay or bisexual. And I just don't think, I I think there is some validity to the Kinsey scale, you know, where there's a range of sexuality. I've known a number of straight men 
who I've gotten to be friends with, who also enjoy masturbating with other guys. And there are various differences and it's not necessarily a group difference where like all these guys have a similar way of interacting with, for want of a better term, mutual masturbation with other men Mm -hmm. that they're all, they all have certain similarities, but uh, two things that I've heard a lot of are they're in sexless marriages. They don't want to cheat on their wives, but they still want to engage with others sexually. So this is kind of something that they're settling on in order to have some kind of a meaningful sexual connection and release without a cheating on their wife or B just living a sexless relationship. They, they want to have connection with others. And this is super easy for them. This is a really easy outlet for them. And the other thing is male bonding from these guys. I hear the term male bonding more Mm -hmm. often than anything else. You know, not I love cock or that's a beautiful cock and I I love playing with that or I like, you know, the scene or that scene. It's that I really value the male bonding. I feel like this is the most significant male bonding experience I've ever had. They have a sense of belonging. I think that's the same in the Jackoff Club and in Bait World. I think that is the same dynamic. I love that. Yeah. And so I would imagine that there are some guys who identify as bisexual and some who identify as heterosexual who may have the identical uh, interests in sex. And that basically shows when you when you start talking about labels, it's really about self-perception more than anything else. Yeah, we limit what we do. We we limit our activities regardless of what we want based on our beliefs about ourselves. What I think I am, who I think I am guides it, that like sets parameters for myself mm-hmm. whether I want something or not. Right. So if somebody has a belief that they're straight, part of that belief system may be about just shutting off any possible sexual contact with other men. Mm-hmm. One of the rules on your website was no docking. Yeah. Can you explain to the listeners in case they don't know what docking is? And then I'm curious, why is that on there? I was, I mean, I can kind of understand, but I want to hear it from you. So I, I, I actually get to explain this a lot because we have new member orientation and we explain all the rules. <laughs> um, so docking is when you put two penises together, head to head, either one or both of the penis owners has foreskin and you simply slide the foreskin over. And so it's, it's a matter of sharing masturbation by sharing foreskin. So the problem is simply that it creates an airlock. When you go urethra to urethra and you pull that foreskin over, you're closing out air and you're giving an avenue for STDs Mm -hmm. to happen. So it's not at all. The rule is not at all about sex it's about health. It's about, it's the same reason we don't allow anal contact because that's an easy vector for disease. You can actually get syphilis or gonorrhea or chlamydia by docking, where if you go twin rockets, you know, mm-hmm. penis to penis side by side, there's no airlock because air just by definition stops a sexual transmitted disease from being transmitted mm-hmm. for the most part. Great explanation. Okay. So You've got the Rain City Jacks. You've also got a podcast. The podcast is The Heart of Jacks Podcast. And you just search for 
the Heart of Jack's podcast, and it pops up. It's been on hiatus for almost a year now. I do have a lot of episodes, but I've been going through a lot of uh, life changes, uh, jobs, um, the resumption of events uh, with my club, which I run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's been a lot, but things are just starting to settle down, and I'm I'm looking at ways of retooling the podcast so that I can get it back up because people people keep asking for it which shocks me. Well, I'm not. It's a great podcast. So I encourage encourage my (laughs) listeners to go and listen to it. It's so well done. Really slick. And to wrap up, I just want to read one quote. I think this came from your Patreon. You wrote, I want men and women of all orientations to know about the Jacks because I think it's a window into all of us, our fundamental desire to connect, to experience innate human pleasure, to be authentic and to find community where we didn't expect it. Well, I I think I wrote that because I needed to acknowledge that group masturbation and group uh, jack-off clubs in particular is a niche. It's very much something that a very small portion of the population is aware of and participates in. And while I wanted people to know about it, you know, partly so that guys who were interested would go and check it out. Mm -hmm. I also thought, what's a value in this for other people who are not specifically in the scene? It's that this is just as much an expression of human sexuality and the way it connects to community, specifically to community, that touches on virtually every way that we uh, couple and come together, both as as lovers and as friends, as as groups. It just there's a lot there that I think will echo for everyone. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to at least once in their life go to a Jack off club. <laughs> you, you, you may just be surprised at how much fun you have. Yes. And remember, um, you're still in charge of your own body. <laughs> right. Paul, is there any, any last words you want to share with my listeners? I can be reached at Paul at the heart of Paul Rosenberg. Thank you very much for being on the show today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Information about each guest is included in the show notes, along with links to my XXX homepage, Twitter account, and Patreon page. Patrons get early access to episodes. You can help me grow my audience by telling a friend today to visit sexualheroes.com. And be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.